Let the Eurovision Song Contest begin! Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome back to the Du's Poir podcast for Eurovision Forever. Yes, Eurovision 2022. It's over. It's done. We've covered it. We're back to what we're good at, which we didn't realize would take us three years to do. It's Eurovision <laughs> Forever. My name is Jack. This is the lovely Liz. Who Now, Liz, just give me a big toothy smile for a second. Oh, shut up. Shut still up. Still not there? Still, still no tooth? Still not there yet. Still not there. <sighs> I... The dangers of Vietnamese food. Well, I thought it was it was getting stuck in at the tenth of this month. It turns out it's the tenth of next month that I have to go back for my next appointment. Right. Oh, well, we're closing in, closing in on it. Oh, I know, but so are the rest of my teeth in the spot. Like, oh, <laughs> everybody out there, when there's space, fill the face, hold and cradle your teeth. A, you don't realize how much you miss them until they're gone. B, you don't realize how much they cost to replace when they are gone. I can understand why people in the 1800s would just like rip teeth out of dead people. So much mm-hmm. cheaper. So much cheaper. Yeah. Or just put a bit of wood in there, paint it white, like a picket fence. Like, uh, what, what's his name? George Washington with his wooden teeth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my Lord. I think that was a myth. I'm not sure. Yeah. It, no, he had wooden, yeah, wooden teeth. That's why everyone was so grumpy, because just their mouth was an open <laughs> wound. <laughs> yeah, just splinters everywhere. Oh, you'd hate it. For those of you who have joined us that haven't really been around in the long term, new arrivals, one, welcome. We love having you here. Thank you for joining us after Eurovision. Two, what happened was Liz was eating Vietnamese, Vietnamese food and her tooth just gave up and dropped out. Look, the woman asked me if I wanted an extra, extra, extra crunchy bar me. It turns out the answer to that is no. Um, you were the crunch. You were the crunch. Yeah. I just bit yeah. into it. It snapped. I found a human tooth in my <laughs> mouth. It was one of the most disturbing things I've ever experienced. <laughs> that is a weird way of saying it, though. I found a human tooth in my food. Well, yeah, but it was yours. Like, that's yeah, a whole. I, but I didn't know that at the time. That's the thing. I didn't know it was my tooth at the time. I thought it was somebody else's tooth. <laughs> I thought I had just eaten somebody. I thought I had just eaten the evidence of a crime. <sighs> All right. We're going to roll on. We're going to get into Switzerland. Otherwise, we'll never get it done. Welcome back. Uh, we finished in Sweden last week, and apparently one of us friggin' loved Sweden, and the <laughs> other one was me, who friggin' super loved Sweden. Uh, so, yeah, big result there. Switzerland is where we are picking up. We're starting in 1956. Switzerland, of course, was the at the very first Eurovision, which most of the countries we're talking about uh, were not. In fact, there's only one country left that started at Eurovision in the 50s, and we'll get to that soon, I guess. But I guess there's nothing to do but talk about Switzerland at Eurovision. So 62 contests, 50 finals, 29 times in the top 10, which does sound very successful until you realise for the first 15 years there were nine countries at Eurovision (laughs) every year. 18 top fives, nine last places, four null poires, two winners... And four different languages. Look, 
it's one of those things. I, you know, I can't really say that I'm excited or, you know, about Switzerland. I'm, I don't know. I'm a bit neutral going in, to be honest. I'm neutral. But well done. Well played. That's why I get the big bucks. I got it. I almost didn't get it. And then I was like, huh, neutral. I get it. I get it now. Lizzie, tell us a little bit about the beautiful country that is Switzerland. Tell us about its lakes, its mountains, its rivers, its people. Oh, my Lord. Forget all that shit. Who cares? It's Switzerland. <laughs> I'll give you the most interesting fact about Switzerland. Yeah. Go on. Lay it on me. The Swiss are the world's largest consumers of chocolate. Oh, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But, yeah, I know, but they're the world's largest consumers of chocolates, but they're not, but they're a nation of fit spunks. Yeah. Like, I'd say they, they've got a good balance going on. Ah, uh, I'm angry. I'm angry at everyone in Switzerland who eats nothing but chocolate. <laughs> oh, my God. Not only do they eat chocolate. You know what is like one of their uh, – it's actually listed as one of their like cultural, you know, dishes? Yeah. The fondue. That's not – that's not a – it's fondue. So all they're doing is fondue and chocolate. And look at them, slim bastards. Oh. I think this is a willful misreading of the facts. It doesn't say the Swiss people only eat fondue and chocolate. It says they eat more on average than the average person does. That, that's true. They also eat Bircher muesli, which was invented in Switzerland. So anyone who's, exactly. a, who's a fan of that. Um, and they wear Rolexes and yeah. they have little clocks. They go, doot, 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 ding, ding. Doot, and then they doot, go back into the clock. I know. They, Cuckoo clocks. That's what I'm thinking of. They're always climbing up mountains just to make sure mm-hmm. there's not Nazis. You know, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, that is kind of like, I'm sorry to get you sidetracked, but that's one of my favorite things about Switzerland is yeah. that they were like, okay, if the Nazis come in World War II, what are we going to do? Why don't we just blow up every entrance to the country yeah. and they're screwed? Like yeah. how? <laughs> that's like that's like super creative way of defending your country. And it works. And well, oh, well, oh my God. Actually, cool. oh my God. I love reading in the histories. It's quite interesting because, of course, obviously Switzerland, famously neutral, okay? Yes. But do you know when they decided to become neutral? When? This spun my this spun me out. I thought they did it just like when the world wars were kicking off, you know, ooh, timing. No. Oh, oh my God. The 16th century. Wow. They have had a policy of, it's called armed uh, neutrality. So it's not like we're peace-loving hippies. Like, they're prepared to arm themselves, like, to the gills. Oh, my God. At one stage, they were even considering getting a nuclear bomb. (laughs) Okay. And just having it to be like, look, we're not going to get involved in any conflict. But if you touch our shit... We will nuke you off the face of the earth. Okay. <laughs> they thought about it, but thankfully that idea like didn't kick off. Um, some other people stepped in and went, or we can sign like an anti-nuclear <laughs> agreement. Yeah. So thankfully they decided to go with that stage. But oh my god, Switzerland has not been involved in any international war since 1815. Who can say that these days? Well, then doesn't that mean they've only been neutral since 1815? I mean, doesn't that spit in the hole? We've been neutral for 500 years. Like, but you went to war. How is that neutral? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry to poke a hole no, in this balloon. No, it was Napoleon. Napoleon sort of came in and then Napoleon was having some shit with, you know, blah, blah, blah. But no, oh my God, it turns out that the, the Germans in the Second World War actually had a whole plan for invading and taking over Switzerland. Um, but then, you know, war being the nature of war, um, all this other shit happened that distracted them. So they had to obviously go fight the other fronts and were like, ah, oh. but in their mind, they were always like, we're coming back to you, Switzerland. They legit had a plan <laughs> on how to rebuild the bridges and like come in. And you're just like, oh my God. But literally just got distracted. So that's why they never invaded Switzerland. I like that their idea was like, oh, oh, you're going to stop us invading by blowing up your infrastructure? Well, joke's on you. We're going to rebuild your infrastructure for you, and then we're going to come in. Take take that. that. And Switzerland's (laughs) like, oh, no, that sounds terrible. Oh, my God. Suddenly people, like, start knocking down shitty schools. Oh, no, you're going to have to rebuild our infrastructure. (laughs) Oh, my God, you've knocked down my gazebo. I guess you better rebuild that. I smashed up the porch to prevent the Germans from coming here. They'll have to build it before they take over. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. So that's Switzerland. That's Switzerland. One of the most interesting, beautiful countries in Europe, I think. Well, don't get get too carried away. They also have some of the highest costs of living in the world, apparently. So I mean, to be fair, you've been house hunting recently. So do we. Oh, but we'll get oh. to that later because we've warbled on too long. We'll jump into Switzerland. Let's get there. It's the first ever How? Eurovision. How? Co- <laughs> How are we jumping it's... into Switzerland? They blew up the bridges. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> fly over and parachute into Switzerland ah. peacefully. Peacefully. Um, at the, in 1956, at the very first Eurovision Song Contest, which, uh, conveniently enough, was in Lausanne in Switzerland. Ooh. Now, their first entrant was a little woman called Liss. Asia. And of course, this was the year everyone could send two songs and you could vote for your own country, apparently. She sent, first of all, a song called Das Alte Carousel, The Old Carousel. And of course, because it's 1956, they did it weird. It was like it was like the off-Broadway version of Eurovision. Mm-hmm. We don't know where this song ranked and we probably never will. No footage also exists of this performance. So... What did you think of Das Alte Carousel, Liz? Look, I'm going to call it. I think we both know which one won out of these two songs. (laughs) Yes. Like, it was clearly Refrain. We officially (laughs) do know Refrain won Eurovision. It's It's the only thing we know from the 56 contest. Oh, my God. A a really interesting fact about her is she actually began her stage career as a dancer, Um, you know, being such a tiny little lady. She started a stage career as a dancer. But in 1940, she she basically just stood in for a singer who was unable to sort of like attend in a rehearsal. You know what? People liked her vocal skills. Um, And it kicked (laughs) off from there, from 1940. They were like, oh, actually, you know what? You can sing, little lady. And it worked out for her because she had quite a career. Um, oh, kind yeah. of lived at Eurovision for a few for a few years there. <laughs> she just got in the production van and followed them from contest to contest. I think. Just Don't say like it like hermit. we wouldn't do it. Oh my god! Oh, we absolutely do it. That was that was me. That was me wishing my life were less outsiders. This one's totally a fifty chanson, right? Uh-huh. Like it's it is the first appearance of the Eurovision song for the next fifteen twenty years. Yeah. I think it's about an 
old carousel. And I don't think there's too much to say about it. Like, I don't have much to say. Everything was a Disney song back then. I liked her dress, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, like the, the first one. Yeah, sure. Um, look, um, five, five, six. That's all I'm going to say. 16 from you. Yeah. I've given Song of Four, Performance and Fashion Fives for a 14, mm-hmm. which is a pass. That's a 30 from us. But I don't think it's it's a, you know, we're not writing home about it. Here's yeah. the second one we need to talk about for 1956. It's a little song called <laughs> which kind of sounds like an Edith Piaf song. Anyway, yeah. it won, of course, the first winner of the Eurovision Song Contest. It's a song about nostalgic memories of young love. And, oh, I love we're starting off with this because there's a little mm. bit of controversy, controversy, controversy. That's right. Now, there were claims made about the voting. Of course, we've already talked about this today. The voting mm. was an absolute bloody write-off at the first Eurovision Song Contest. What happened? Well, it was done in complete secrecy and has mm. never been revealed, which included the right to vote for your own country. And I don't really consider that too much controversy because, I mean, it wasn't outside the rules at the time, but uh-huh. here is what I think is controversial, right? Right. The Swiss jury, because they were the hosts, were given the right to vote on behalf of the Luxembourgish jury because they couldn't make it to Switzerland. Okay. Now, I'm not going to say too much about it, but if you're given the right to vote on behalf of another country and you can vote for your own country anyway, uh-huh. you kind of got to assume the Swiss jury... Gave the points neutrally to everyone else. <laughs> No, and I already said it wrong because I meant the Luxembourgish jury done by the Swiss jury probably gave points to Switzerland, Mm -hmm. which I feel like when there's, what, seven countries and you're getting possibly full marks from your own country and Luxembourg, Uh you've got a big advantage there, right? So this has been a little historically controversial. Mm -hmm. That said, it is actually quite a nice chanson. Like, it was a strong song on its own. Maybe it would have won without all these shenanigans, but we'll never know. We'll never know. And that's why this is a controversy moment. Uh, Well, I think a not so controversial moment is in 2011 in her autobiography, she actually revealed, she had actually dedicated every penny of royalties that she had made from this song over the years went directly to charity. She never made oh, a penny from refrain. Her. Everything, everything went directly to charity. And that's why I give this song and this performance 10, 10, 10. Man, if only Lorraine had given some cash to the Animal the Welfare League. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my weakness every time. Like, you know, give it to a cat <laughs> charity. Oh, my God, just take my 10. <laughs> In spite of all the controversy, it is a lovely chanson and it probably did deserve to win anyway. Uh, And the kid just standing there, like, holding her flowers, waiting, (laughs) is kind of like, just put them in a fucking vase, mate. It's like, it's fine. Anyway, it's lovely. Song 8, performance 6, fashion a 7 for a 21 from me. And a 51 between us. So nice. a strong start. Should we just give those 52 points to Switzerland and have them allocate them as they see fit? Charitably, (laughs) yes. Neutrally or charitably? <laughs> We've got two memes going on now. Neutrally, obviously. Of course, of course. All right, 1957, you're going to be thrilled. It's Liz Assia. She's back to defend her title with the song L'Enfant que j'étais, 
MMM. I'm pretty sure Alexander will jump in in the messages and tell me that was terrible French, but you're getting what you're getting. The child that I was, she finished eighth this time, two points from Denmark, one's from Germany, Italy, and Luxembourg. And if she is nothing else, at least Liss is the queen of the bowl gown. What did you think of L'Enfant Que J'étais? This song, to be honest, it just doesn't grab me like the others do. Um, yeah, I love what she's wearing, but the song itself, oh, it's a bit, this is not what you give to your queen. Do you know what I mean? I feel this is a bit of a really. I think they they did her wrong. I think they could have they could have given her something better than this. I agree. I would have said this is like the whole. Oh yeah, can you like not win it twice? It's pricey, but also one. It was like one stage with like like a mic stand, so it couldn't have cost that much to rent out the hole. Uh-huh. And two, like the winner didn't even host the second contest. Germany hosted the second contest, so maybe I'm completely wrong. She is the first of three winners to try and defend their victory the year after. Do you Mm. know who the other two are? Um, There's Liss. Lena? There is Lena. Lena is the other one. Uh, And this and, oh. um, It's going to be hard. In fact, it is actually the winner of, I think, this contest, the Netherlands' Corey Brocken, who won and then came dead last the next year. Uh, So... There you go. Uh, it's fine. Much in the style of the era, but less lovely than her winner. So sung five, performance five, fashion a seven for a 17. Yeah. What about you? Oh, um, five, five, six. Got to give you score again, didn't you? I did. I had already moved on. This is how forgettable this song on. <laughs> I, I was literally reading my notes for the next song. It's a 33 from us, so it did pass, but... Not quite a refrain. Mm. Now, 1958, it's an unknown singer. Um, they came onto the stage completely as a... It's the first time actually performing live in front of a crowd. Her name was Liz Assia with what? the song Giorgio. Giorgio. And she finished second. So almost the first ever two-time winner. Uh, almost pulled a Johnny Logan, in fact, if we can call it that. Not to be, though. Six from the Netherlands, five from Luxembourg, and fours from Italy and Sweden. Definitely the most upbeat of her three entries. And Liz does her own sound effects. What's not to love? What did you think? Oh, for a start, I think that would be a great drag name. Liz Sassia. <laughs> what do you reckon? Oh, my God. Right up there, with uh, one of us will be Doris Dragabitch and the other one will be Liz, Liz Sassia. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, oh, my Lord. Okay, I think we can safely say this song creates a few what would be ongoing traditions in Eurovision, okay? The first, I think this has to be the first song about getting drunk and tying one on. You can't tell me that's not what she's singing about. Oh, my Lord. Oh, Expresso. Oh, no. Vino. Literally lyrics to this song. Okay. Yeah, there are there are bits that sound a lot like a Looney Tunes character, like Roadrunner, and I'm just like, go, go oh off this. You can't tell me this song didn't directly lead to alcohol, alcohol, alcohol is free. Hey, <laughs> that's where this song is born. Oh my lord! And I think this is the first song at Eurovision to fill in a lyrical gap with a nonsense. La 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 la. And you know what? I don't even mind it in this circumstance in this song. It actually works for it because they're clearly showing someone drunk. 
and singing along. Totally agree. Um, other than refrain, of course, this one's my favorite. It mm-hmm. was Europe's favorite as well because it was their second choice. Dress, however, is my least favorite of her four looks. So, yeah. Ooh. Very lively, though. Song seven, performance seven, fashion of five for a 19. Oh, okay. I kind of like what she was wearing. I actually give this one seven across the, the board. I think this is great drama and performance. Put a bit of life in it. Woo-woo! The sassy! 21 from you uh, and a 40 between us, which is a very good score. Switzerland doing quite well off the bat here. 1959, Krista Williams with the song Egan Warher somewhere. Fourth in the final, which is, of course, probably pretty close to last. Imagine saying, I came fourth. It was an absolute disaster. Uh, Five from the UK, three from Sweden and two from Denmark. I do think I was expecting more yodeling from early Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's... Look, I've got to ask, listening to this, the the first thing that popped into my mind, because obviously I like to listen to it, first of all, without any translation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look up the translation because I don't speak German, French, um, Romance and Italian, Romance or Italian. Um, <laughs> oh my God, is this the first song dedicated to Doctor Who? That was my first thought. <laughs> I swear she starts singing about the Doctor during this one. And then, you know what? I didn't look it up because I didn't want to be disappointed. I choose to believe she's singing about Doctor Who. Keep it alive. Her dress is weird. Okay, it looks like somewhere in transit some, like, duct tape got wrapped around her skirt and they weren't able to, like, remove it before she was able to come out for the big performance. Um, I also, I kind of feel like, I get this look like she feels a bit trapped singing her mum's song when she wants to break out and sing her own kind of song. That's the vibe that I get from this. Mm, Yeah, I was not enamoured with this one, though it's ostensibly a pleasant song there's lots of camera pouting but it's just not for not for moi which is french italian romance and german for me but specifically it's french uh bring back lissassia i think so song three performance and fashion four four and eleven yeah i gave song five performance five fashion a four for a 14 and a Mm -hmm. 25 between the pair of us and liz this is something we don't get to do all that often what but we'll be back right after this (gasps) oh Welcome to Mates in Space, a podcast about how we're going to get to space without taking all of Earth's bullshit up with us. What are some of the things we're going to be leaving behind, Jack? Uh, crime. No crime in space. Gwyneth Paltrow. Vegan options that are just lentil burgers. Can I take my cat with me? I've got two, I only want to take one. Humanity is taking its first steps in space, and we are the visionaries that are going to lead the way. Are there any two people on this planet more qualified in the field of space exploration? Probably yes. Mates in space. Listen where you listen to things. Broadcast all around this tiny planet. 1960. Anita Traversi with the song Cello e Terra. Sky and Earth. Finished eighth. Two points from Austria, one point from Italy, Luxembourg, and Norway. What did you think of Cielo e Terra? Oh, look, I feel this was a bit contemporary in parts for the old farts, and they mm-hmm. would not have liked it, um, hence why it did not score so well. And I I think her dress is a bit out, you know, woo, you know, a bit out there for the old farts. They would have been like, oh, 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 oh. But I dug it, man. I dug it. I totally agree. I think it was really lovely staging with Anita mm-hmm. just amongst the stars. You know, yeah. it's really like 
it looked really pretty. And I know they didn't have great visual effects yeah. back then, but this was like, this worked for me. And I definitely think it's a step up from 1959, even oh, yeah. if it was just like lower on the scoreboard. But mm-hmm. I kind of feel like points were so close then that it's almost an aberration. She's so stunning. I love the dress. I love the hair. I love everything. And the conductor is having the time of his life. life. Like living it. Absolute hidden gem, this one, I yeah. think. So I've given the song a nine, wow. the performance an eight, and the fashion a nine. Someone got a 26 from me. Wow. Okay. I I was not as caught up in the twinkling. I was a bit more neutral. Um, I said six, six, seven. Still decent score for a 19 from you. And a 45 between the pair of us. Switzerland's doing well. Yeah. And it's it's sort of, it's really interesting. Like, you know, you see some of the songs where you can, it's like you can almost literal, literally see um, the decades changing between performances and sometimes yeah it's you know a country is a little bit behind or you know they're just those couple of years ahead the rest of Europe to catch up um Mm -hmm. yeah I think this was definitely a bit uh a bit ahead 1961 Franca di Rienzo with Nous de Man we will have tomorrow Podium finish, this one finished, third, four from Sweden, two from Austria, Italy, Monaco, Netherlands and UK, and one's from Spain and Yugoslavia. Last year was better, but this is a nice song. It's anchored by a stunning dress, but it's it's no 1960, is it? Yeah, it's again, I think, you know, this one did well because it it appealed to the older generation who were still clinging on and, you know, paying the paying the bills to make those phone calls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I also have a theory. I want to ask you a question. Do you think the cameraman moved into that space of the frame where he was so that they were deliberately trying to make it look. So you, you see her from her, you know, just from like above the dress, just to reveal her naked shoulders and you get a pulled up hair. Do you think they did that just so viewers at home could imagine she was at home naked in the shower singing this song? Ah, <laughs> uh, the way to win over the televoters before the televote even existed. It is kind of vibe that I get from this they're just like like they are one step away from just putting like a few little soap suds on her (laughs) do you think Chanel from Spain this year who did slow-mo was like what am I gonna do for my performance and she's just like watching the 1961 year original she's like that nudity yeah full-on full-on body exposure is how we're gonna win this yeah absolutely yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the vibe that I get from this. Look, it's sung well, but I'm going to say it. She has some weird face gestures. Does she? Hmm. I, I was really distracted by You were too busy picturing her naked in the shower to care about her face? I was just like, wow, that woman is so naked. This is like <laughs> porn in 1961. It was. It would have been. <laughs> I think there's a really soothing quality to her voice, and she just oozes charisma. I thought it was pleasant, but for some reason it didn't grab me quite like the other ones did. So song five, performance six, fashion and eight for a 19. That was all for the shoulders. Fashion, she was nude. <laughs> I the like shower. the bits of the dress that I saw. <laughs> I was just grateful there was a dress. <laughs> um, look, I just gave it fives across the board. 15 from you and a 34 between us, which takes us to 1962. Jean-Philippe with Le Retour, The Return. Finished 10th, two from Germany. That was it. That was what you needed to finish 10th in the 60s at Eurovision. 
C'est la vie. Dramatique start, to say the least. Now, Jean previously represented France in 1959 with a third place finish. Um, So magic was not to strike twice, I guess. What did you think? Oh, my God. But you're right. How much does this start off like it's going to be a great big James Bond band number? Yeah. Like it really starts off with that. But then very quickly just disappears into nothing. Just fades into oblivion. You were like, oh, that was that was over. It's like, yeah, I'm licensed to kill. Bam, shot by the enemy. Shortest Bond yeah. <laughs> film ever. Also, I'm just going to say it. His tie is weirdly small. His tie is weirdly small. You're right. Mm. But we've seen that a lot in early Eurovision. No, but... I think it was a vibe. That just... Uh, I don't know. This one, it's just... Uh, yeah, I just find it very distracting. And could we talk about, oh my God, there is just way too much out of control and out of sync xylophone in this number. <laughs> Did you, all I could hear was that bloody xylophone. It's like somebody's kid had got into the orchestra pit and it was just bam, bam, bam. Like when you're trying to enjoy a, like a latte in... In, you know, your favourite cafe on a Sunday, just gently nurse your headache and somebody with kids (laughs) rudely, inconsiderately comes in and their kid is just like, like everywhere. And you're like, excuse me, can you leave that tied to a post outside? (laughs) I have a hangover. And then it's just like, that's what it sounds like to me, but it had... A xylophone, and I found it very distracting. Also, his little voila, like at the end, is way over the top and confident for such a lackluster song and performance. Like, it's a little too like, ah, I finished, but it was shit, mate. You finished shit. Yeah, it really, we really got like, like gaslit into thinking this was going to be something much bigger from the start. I thought he was a very handsome man, but very uneventful. Small tie. Small tie. Uh, tiny tie, yeah. Handsome man, though. Song three, performance five, fashion a seven. Yeah. He's handsome. You get Four that a 15. lot, though, don't you? Pretty face, small mm. tie. Oh, Yeah, you do. You do. It's misleadingly oh. small tie. Oh, my God. If I had a dollar, uh, fours across the board. Make it go away. 12 from you, 27 from the mm. pair of us. Not a pass, which brings us to 1963. Oh, do you want, I feel like I should have brought a xylophone for this episode so I could just awkwardly just start banging it out of sync as we talked. You know, I actually, we had a production meeting and I said, don't forget that xylophone. And here you are letting me down. Yeah, damn it. I'm sorry. I'm it's so, okay. I've had a lot of it's my the mind. hangover. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> busy, busy girl. 1963, Esther Offerim with 10 Vapa, Don't Go, finished second. They keep getting second, but not quite mm. getting the trophy. And there is a little bit of... <gasps> controversy, controversy, controversy. We've talked about this before, where it looked as though Switzerland had actually won 42 points to 40 over Denmark. Mm. You will remember this from when we talked about Denmark, before Norway called back. Remember, Norway had already given out some of their points and went, "Uh, hang on, call us back. We're not quite done counting. So they called Norway back at the end, and Norway had given completely different votes to what they'd given before they had had to hang up, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... Completely changed everything, and suddenly Denmark wins the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one of the big early controversies Mm. of Mm. Eurovision. We talk about this one a lot, but, you know, this is one of the real ones. This is like, sure, Kathy Kirby punched everyone in the face because she was in a bad mood because she didn't win. Mm. But this is like a a who really won controversy. Yeah. 
Well, because yeah, and it, it's the fact that like the the changes, uh, it like it just changed so much and to, and to different countries so much. That's why people were like, "Hang on, how could everything have been so wrong?" I have a theory. Do you think somebody just for like shits and gigs were like, "Ha ha ha!" Give them this bit of paper; they'll never read it out, and that, and then they're gonna be like, "Oh no, this is really like the combination to my heart," you know, like thinking they weren't gonna actually read it out, and then the next thing you know, it was being read out live on air, yeah. and they're like, "No!" And they're like, like the "Oscars all over again." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh my god, how do we just like how do we say like oh, I was just playing a." joke on Barry like you can't say that you're like oh we were we were mid calculating um you know it's like they read the score and then it was like down the bottom it was like nine eight five ah fuck you Jerry fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's always possible this one got five from Italy Austria and the UK four from Belgium Denmark Monaco Germany and Spain and a three from Luxembourg so no points there no high points from Norway which could have really been the difference maker great staging Mm -hmm. great staging to start this one off of esther leaning against the wall just kind of ruefully yeah really was just a whole different kind of staging than we used to see in this time at eurovision what did you think yeah because um you know eurovision was was you know oh there'll be no dancing and it's like esther said well nobody said no flopping (laughs) as she dramatically flops against this wall look i think this is just great all round everything about this is great there is a real passion in her voice there's passion in her face there is passion in her performance i'm gonna say it this is all round classy Wow. It's mm-hmm. not often you call something classy. Mm-hmm. It's like me saying, you know what? This is officially heterosexual. <laughs> Just not the right person to say it. <laughs> Do you know what? It's yeah. pretty and she's got a great voice, but I'm glad Norway cheated because I Ooh. love the Danish song. I really do like it better. I think it's, they're both very different. The mm-hmm. song Denmark sent was very, very off the wall for mm-hmm. that era at Eurovision, but this performance was also very, hadn't seen it before. Oh, Esther was all up on that wall. Yeah, so exactly. So I wish she'd come back for Switzerland. She had a lot of talent. Song seven, performance seven, fashion of five for a 19. Oh, okay. I was a little more, um, this one threw me back a little bit more. Um, I gave it eights across the board. 24 from you plus my 19 is a 43 from the pair of us. Decent work there. Noise. 1964. It is a name we are familiar with. It's Liz Asia. No, I'm just kidding. It's Anita Traversi with E Me Pensieri, My Thoughts, finishing last with a null point. Mm-hmm. If Switzerland planned on coming back with a vengeance, they did it wrong. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what do you think? Oh, yeah, look, I'm the same. It's kind of, I mean, I know I was joking about it, but, yeah, a lot of the, like, the Switzerland performances I'm really kind of neutral about, Mm. you know? Like, it's, they're not groundbreaking, but they're not offensive, you know? They're not great, but they're not bad. Don't forget, we actually have no footage of this thanks to bloody Denmark. Mm. You know what? Maybe if Switzerland had won the year before, we'd have footage of this contest. Yeah. Maybe if Norway hadn't pulled their shenanigans. But yeah, so yeah. we are trying to be as neutral 
no pun intended, yeah. about the performance and the fashion because yeah, we can't we, actually tell. Know, yeah, we look at the photos, you know, you, you try to get performance, uh, you know, from the, from the song. But you know what? Just to, like, mix things up, I think when it comes to this song, um, I think anything that we could say about this song should actually be left to... Comment of the week. Oh, yeah. Okay, so comment of the week, and because we've said this about uh, Eurovision before, and this is one of the reasons that we love it, and I think we display it every week. Uh, the songs that you know <laughs> reduce one of us to tears, or makes us a, a you know a dribbling wreck, or changes our life, or inspires us to like you know storm the Capitol building and create. <laughs> capitalism or communism um the other one is quite yeah it's a bit shit mate um but i we've said it before this is what we love about eurovision any song at any stage can turn out to change your life and not even not even realize it so comment of the week goes to joso who has this story my dad has this song on vinyl It's one of the only things we have left from my grandparents' house in Athens. My grandma was a big fan of Anita and apparently always made my dad listen to her on the radio. There was a fire at the house a couple of years back. They were living here in the US for the remainder of their lives, senile and couldn't do much of anything really. My dad, uncle and I travelled to Athens to talk with the lawyer regarding the incident and we were handed the stuff that wasn't burnt. The rest of the music perished in the fire, but this album withstood everything. All my grandparents are gone now, but this song just makes me feel like they're still living. It's honestly insane what music can do. Oh, that's beautiful. And I think that sums up just why Eurovision is so special. Any random song that is just, you know, 555 to anyone else can bring your grandparents, you know, back into your heart and the room. So well done to Anita, you know. Yeah, that's your legacy, Anita. You've Mm -hmm. you've changed someone's life for the better. That said, I loved her entry in 1960. And this one feels more generic to me. I mean, clearly it doesn't to some people, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, this was not saved from a burning house for me. So, um, yeah, a bit of same old, same old. I know that you said for some people this is just a 555. For me, this is a 555. I've oh. given this song a 15. Yeah, I've given this a 555 too. <laughs> so it passes. Yeah. It passes. After all that magic, yeah, we're okay with it. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> but you know what? It changes Joso's world and that's what makes it fabulous. That's the magic. Two songs to go tonight, 1965. Yovana with Non a Yame Sans Toi. No, A Future Without You. Finishing eighth, five from France, three from Austria, and that was it. Lady has her eye on something on the roof. Like, it looks like there's, like, a large stage light that's about to drop, and she's just, like, keeping her eye on it to make sure it stays up there, or she has to, like, dive out of the way at the last second. Um, That's really what I noticed about this one. What Um, did you think? You know what I took from this? I don't know why just watching this performance. All I could think is Yovana, she may not win the Eurovision Song Contest, but I guarantee she could kick your ass in a bar fight. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. 
I totally agree. I think she's got a strong voice. I think she's wearing a lovely dress and it's a worthy entry. But they Switzerland always seem to do worse with mm-hmm. songs I like mm-hmm. and better with songs I don't care for. It's yeah. odd. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think? Uh, look, I, I just went a very neutral five across the board because I just didn't want to upset her. I know. Don't get on her bad side. I've given <laughs> song an eight, performance a five, fashion an eight for a 21. We didn't Woo! talk too much about it, yeah. but, I mean, yeah. she could beat you up and she's – a stagehand at the moment. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep her name out of my mouth. I'm just saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How did we do this podcast before the Will Smith incident? What did I you even say know. every episode? I know. What did we talk about? That's like everyone's like, oh my god, I'm shocked, I'm horrified. Are you kidding? It's the best thing that's like <laughs> that's happened. <laughs> absolutely agree. Twenty one from me, fifteen from you, and a thirty six between us. Nineteen sixty six, Madeline Pascal with Nevois du Pas, can't you see? Finishing sixth in the final, five from Austria, three from Ireland and Monaco, and a one from Luxembourg. Headband game, strong as hell. What did you think? Look, I, I do not like the audio levels that this was set at. I'm just going to say it. I find this song when she was singing, it, her vocals were either far too quiet or far too loud. Mm, I agree with you. And I think that's a production issue, not like a... Madeline issue, but it was very noticeable. Yes. And so that just sort of like put me in a, like, I was just in a state of like discomfort uh, for the rest of the song. So I think, yeah, with better levels, it would have had like a better result and maybe got a better score from me, but it just, just, yeah. She's very theatrical, but I am concerned that Austria gave this a top point, you know, like, mm. okay, Austria, go for it. I don't like the outfit and the song is very bland to me. So yeah. song three, performance four, fashion of three, that's a 10 from me, not a pass. Yeah, I just went fours across the board either. It's not passing from me either. It We have blown up the bridges to this song. That's right. This song is not getting in unless it builds us our infrastructure. Mm. Uh, 22 from us for that one. Yeah, it'd take more than a gazebo for me to put this <laughs> above the pass mark. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode, and we have three favourites, and they're Ooh. all over 40, which is not common for us, but here we go. Mm-hmm. Our third favourite tonight, on a 43 out of 60, it is the song that probably actually won Eurovision back in 1963. It is Esther Ophrame with Ten Vapa. The one that Norway saw fit to not passing on a 43 out of 60. Okay. Okay. Oh, what's number two? Second place is one that actually didn't come anywhere near winning. It's 1960, Anita Traversi with Cielo Itera. You gave it a 19. I gave it a 26. Ahead of its time. Out of 60, well ahead of its time. But, of course, the first winner of the Eurovision Song Contest was always going to be our favourite going into this show. Liz Assia, Refrain, on a 51 out of 60 uh, to take it out this week. I'm very happy with that. Me too. I love that for us. I love that for Eurovision. I love that for Switzerland. I love that for Liz. May she rest in peace. We've already done Comment of the Week, so there's really not too much to do now except say thank you so much for listening to another episode of Du's Pois. We will be back next Friday with Switzerland Part 2. Part two, can you believe it? We're already up to the second episode of Switzerland. It's crazy that it comes right after part one, uh, which will be 1967 through to 1978. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the second that this stops playing, you need to make sure that you are 
following us on every social there is. You need to review us on every platform there is. Go up to the top if you're on Spotify. Make sure you give us that five star. If you're not going there to give us a five star, get the hell out of the room and leave. That's right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Whatever you're listening to, make sure you go and give us a five star. Um... Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. No one follow us on Facebook, but we are desperate and we need all the love and reassurance that you can provide us. That's such great marketing. I'm so I'm so glad we put you in charge of selling the show. <laughs> Just trying to mix it up. Keep it fresh. Right, of course. Keep it fresh. Keep it funky. Keep it light. Mm-hmm. I love it. Other than that, we will see you in one week. We love you to bits. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for making May the biggest month we've ever had at the Dudes Pile podcast, um, and let's keep growing. Let's keep doing. Let's go together and rock on. Woo! Rock on, brother. Rock on. <laughs> love you. Good night. <laughs>